Hey friends, welcome to this latest episode of Love Service Wisdom. Before I get into it, I want to give a big shout out and moment of gratitude to East Forest for the use of that song we just heard, Azure Wind, for um, my opening track. He generously said I could use pretty much any song that I wanted from his entire catalog. And I went through it and that was the one I landed on. and it was kind of fun in that he was like, oh, that's the one you want? Cool. I That's not even released. Like that's not out anywhere. So it's an unreleased East Forest track called Azure Wind. And it's generously given to me by my sweetheart, East Forest. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He's been an incredible resource and support this whole way through of getting this podcast together and out and helping. Uh, it sounds so good, helping with the sound quality and all the technical this is and that's of the things that happen with a podcast. So thank you so much gratitude to him. And uh, he and I have been working together for many years. We've got a retreat that we do together. Uh, This will be our fourth annual retreat at the Boulder Mountain Guest Ranch down in Boulder, Utah. It's coming up the end of September, September 26th through the 29th. So if you're looking for a fall escape to one of the most beautiful magical, like radiant, vibey places on the planet. That's not a beach. It would be down in Boulder, Utah, where we're going to be. And the trip experience includes hiking in some of the most incredible, breathtaking landscapes you've ever seen. Yoga with me, of course, and meditation. He'll play live music for those classes. And then sound ceremonies with him. Uh, I do a DJ dance party, DJ Shocker Khan. My alter ego comes out and we have a really, really great time and stargazing and connecting and farm to table meals. And it's just really unique and incredibly special. So there's a few spots left for that. So if you go on his website, East forest.org. You can sign up and see all kinds of information about the retreat. And it's coming up end of September. So hope to see some of you all there. There's lots of room for RV and tent camping and then some lodging nearby. Unfortunately, the lodging at the guest ranch is full up, but there's some really special places, like I said, nearby or bring your tents. The first two years that I went down to the guest ranch for reality sandwich retreats back in 2009 and 10, I was camping. So I camped there in October, early October, um, back in the day. So I think it's a great way to go. That's what I did when I would go down. And speaking of reality sandwich, it kind of ties into this guest that I've got on the show this week. Reality sandwich is still out there in the world, um, online, doing some work. And I found Reality Sandwich in 2008. And it was a, a, a like a emerging hub at the time for information and articles and um, I don't know, all different sorts of things on like psychedelics and counterculture and aliens and crop circles and mystical experiences and like just like fringe out there type things, which is a... Uh, <laughs> a long time interest of mine. 
And I began writing for them, which I did for a number of years. And that's how I ended up at the Boulder Mountain Guest Ranch uh, for the Reality Sandwich Retreats back in 2009 and 10. And um, then started the Evolver Spore, which was like a sort of like Facebook meets weirdos meets uh, community connection. I started that in Boise, but also the one in Seattle before I moved to Boise. And um, yeah, and through the reality sandwich retreat in 2009, there was a woman that was there. Her name is Lisa Renee, and she's known in that world as like uh, one of the probably leaders who speaks on like she's a walk-in and she's an alien and humans are half alien and there's the ways to ascend and people are going through this transition. So she was there as one of the speakers, as well as like Graham Hancock, who we know is well known for his work on alternative ideas of, um, let's say like planetary archaeology and things like that. If you don't know the work of Graham Hancock, check that out. It's super fascinating. He's brilliant. And he's just got a new book out too. That's like uh, re-envisioning of the history of North America. Um, But I won't get into that. That's another whole huge rabbit hole. But Graham Hancock, check him out. Lisa Renee, she's this like, again, like alien walk-in type person. And back in, gosh, I was probably like 18 or 19. So let's say the late 90s, 98, 99, I started reading books like Bringers of the Dawn, the Pleiadian Channel book and the Chiron Chronicles and the Ascension Manual series by Joshua David Stone, which gets into this realm of things and which at the time I thought was awesome and super cool and really um, eye-opening, let's just say, like a new way to envision the human experience and what it means to be human, which is something I've been pursuing actively and still do. And so those were definitely eye-opening for sure. And um, so ingested it and pondered it and felt a resonance with those types of teachings, most definitely. And then even in my yoga teacher training in Nosara, Don and Amba, like to their credit, they call their yoga self-awakening yoga. And it's the expansion of consciousness through the body's own wisdom. So the same idea of like expanding consciousness and sense of self, but through the yoga practice, it happens through the body versus these ideas of connecting perhaps to like other entities or aspects of self. And then also like the term, I don't know, what do people call me? Like an indigo child, I think is what it used to be. But now it's like crystal child or starseed kids or things like that. So this idea of like, I don't know, kids who have or are more in touch and in tune with uh, a deeper sense of self and have maybe psychic abilities or empathy on a higher scale or past life memories and all of that. So my guest today is Asia Andromeda and she is a multidimensional channel. She's an intergalactic shaman and she is uh, a guide in this way as well, similar to Lisa Renee, but she's got her own thing going on. And she um, is a woman that I met a few years ago here in Boise that I can call a friend of mine now. And she's just... um, 
she's spectacular in how she lives her fully authentic self and gives me through her modeling a lot of courage to just claim it and name it and own it. Like whatever your, let's say, quote unquote, weirdness might be and who you feel like you are or want to be, she's doing it. And I met her here. Um, I'd heard about her in the community for a couple of years, but I hadn't known her or met her. And then I was at this period in my life where I was going through my divorce and it was just beginning. And as you can imagine or know, uh, it's difficult and you feel at a loss and everything's changing and so much stuff is coming up. And so within my own life, I was sort of internally asking for like guidance or help or support or a new teacher. I remember very clearly having this sense of like, I'm ready for something new or a new teacher or guide to come in. So I opened that gateway and that same week that I had done that, three different people had said something to me like, have you met Asia? Oh, you should meet Asia. Do you know who Asia is? So then finally I took that as like, okay, I'll reach out to this woman. So we connected and uh, just loved who she is and um, the way she holds herself. And she was uh, offering a program at the time, this emergence program where you could meet with her one-on-one for a year, every month once a month for a year and have this very guided personal experience into these deeper aspects of your own self and your own guides and your own internal messages that she was channeling through herself to you, uh, about you. And it was great. It was really helpful for me. I think especially as I was moving through, um, my transition. And so she's someone that I still reference a lot. Like I'll watch her YouTube videos and read her posts and her vlogs. And she's, like I said, just very inspiring. And so that's why maybe for me in this conversation, the stuff that we're talking about, uh, it seems very normal because I've kind of been dealing with this sort of thing for the past 20 years. It's not a surprise, but I guess, and I, I guess that for some of you, it might be you a little bit more out there than what you have uh, encountered before, which is wonderful and cool. And we talk about definitely some controversial things. There's a moment where she's talking about, um, she's talking about, uh, how do I put it? Like um, how, well, the idea is right. You're creating reality through your consciousness and your thoughts and your being and what you're um, attuning to. And so this, even this idea of when you're like an activist against something that's bad, that quality of being an activist is perhaps creating that thing that you are fighting against. And then we have a little conversation about it, which now thinking about it makes me a little nervous to put out there because I hope that it doesn't have an aspect to it of spiritual bypassing, which I'm a little sensitive to this like idea of, I don't know, privilege around not being so affected by many of the struggles that so many people on this planet are. So I don't want it to come off that way, but I have thought for years and years about this idea of like, when I'm pushing against something bad, am I contributing to the creation of it at the same time? Like, I hope that makes sense. Even though in my own life, I'm doing many things 
to actively choose the quote unquote right way of being to foster um, a healthy planet and a healthy sense of self and human rights for all of us. I'm not drawn into the activist realm of being like the on the um, the front lines as a fighter. And that's just like not, I guess, my own personal dharma. So yeah, we talk about that a little bit and I'm going to leave it in there and let you guys, I would be curious to know what your thoughts are around it too. And again, it's not coming from a place of bypass, but more just like curiosity, like on the greater dimensional level, the 4D or the 5D or the 7D or whatever, where or how is this all created and what does that even mean? So more just a question versus a solid decision around that. So this is Asia Andromeda. And I apologize as well that when we first started this recording, I didn't hit record. So you missed like the first minute of us talking, but we basically had just said what I just repeated to you, like how we had met me reaching out to her a few years ago. We also had this conversation on the, what she called the close of the Lionsgate portal which was on 812. And I can't give you a full download on what the Lionsgate portal was or is. You can Google it if you're curious. I'm sure there's a lot out there that you could learn. But again, I apologize for that little miss in the beginning of the conversation. I think right here when she's starting, she's just saying how when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So this is Asia Andromeda. If you'd like to learn more about her, her website is multidimensionalu, as in the letter u.com, multidimensionalu.com. And there's all kinds of stuff on YouTube about her too, um, a whole video archive that you could comb through if you're curious about learning more about some of the topics that we cover in this conversation. I am so delighted to introduce Asia to you. I hope you enjoy. for really big help, really big help responds. And it comes from this more expansive version of reality than I call it kind of looking laterally, right? We're looking in the same dimension for answers. And we usually, what we're actually looking for goes beyond. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so then when it starts to show up, depending on a person's phase of which part of awakening slash remembering, right? Because this, this reality was here all along. We're not really learning anything new. We're just expanding back. It makes itself known to us in some really interesting ways. And so depending on where we're at in that journey, we're in different levels of resistance to trusting that information. <laughs> so it's almost like when we really ask for help and we really mean it, it's like that gives our our greater identity permission to turn up the volume and make it almost unmistakable, right? Yeah, and that's how it was for me, definitely when I met you um, a little over a year ago. And, and like you're speaking to, I'm sure you do come across skeptics, right? Yeah, and, and the way that I live now, it's it's kind of what you were referencing at the opening. It's, it's like when... I don't really like this analogy because I, I'm always a student too myself, but when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? So 
the way that I work now is I, I rarely come into what I would call a hardcore skeptic, somebody who is not interested, looking, or ready to expand their container. <laughs> so most of what I find now are people who are really, who are really ready. But you're right, that's not to say that we don't encounter mainly what I would call the constructed self, sometimes called the false self, mm-hmm. who gets scared because ultimately what happens is that part of your identity sunsets or gets, it's like it, it gets invited into the much more expansive identity that you are, but to it, it feels kind of like an annihilation or death. So it will struggle, right? And it will throw up all sorts of interesting um, defenses, <laughs> resistance. Um, and ultimately it's just a safety mechanism to, to keep ourselves safe from losing that identity the way that it served us. And so I find that in my own journey and certainly with many others, the dynamic is this constant practice of gratitude and appreciation for everything that that constructed self has done for us so far. Um, and that, thank you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's something more now, right? Yeah. Well, and, and like you, I guess, mentioned, it sounds like you're not, you're at a point now where those major, let's just say skeptics or false selves, that's not who you're encountering. Right. Right. Yeah. The, the people that find their way to me now, um, there's a, there's still some of that dynamic that we have to navigate, but they're more relieved, I think, than anything to find a group of people that is living out their own direct experience, right? Because like, I don't, I don't talk or teach dogma. It's all based in direct experience. And that's what I try to facilitate, right? Create a really high vibrational loving container in which people can have, go on to have more of their own direct experience. But the collective culture is still, I mean, if we want to talk about quote unquote mainstream, although my guidance right now is telling me it's changing in this instant very rapidly, Mm-hmm. Um, so what we think we know is actually not even in real time. It's not accurate. That's something wow. to keep in mind for those of us in middle age, because what I've been shown is that um, m- most of the children, we call them children, right? Just because of their age, but their soul age is much greater than that. They are already in the next room around this. And so the emotional body there's a huge spotlight on the you know, population who's in middle age right now and our emotional body. Because for most of us, we were taught that that's a liability rather than our power. And so- Your that, emotions are a liability. Yeah, absolutely. That it's, and that's a complete inversion, right? So we're all having to go through this like <laughs> reverse engineering of, wait, wait a minute, actually our heart and what it has to share with us really a central command and the mind then can take those directives and work with them. And so what I've been constantly channeling, it feels like in the last six months is that our children, our grandchildren, they need us to kind of get our act together with our own emotional journey so that we can begin to role model what it's like to be human in a way that, that honors the core of who we are instead of, you know, decades, centuries, if not thousands of years 
of discounting that in favor of this kind of insane rationality, right? Based in most recently a Cartesian worldview. And then before that extreme, what I would kind of consider extreme fear-based dogma. So yeah, huge shift in our emotional um, experience as adults in order to self-liberate, self-empower, come back into the authentic self rather than the projected constructed self, right? So it's kind of like writing the ship, if you will. Mm -hmm. And as an intergalactic shaman or metaphysical teacher, how is it that you work with clients to move through that process of living their emotional body? Yeah, as you can imagine, (laughs) for the adult population who was so taught and trained and conditioned to deny or reject their true emotions, um, usually it is not a process that one consciously opts into. Rather, it comes to us via, you know, maybe the vehicle of our higher self orchestrating this. So um, I've seen everything from, um, you know, negotiating changes that feel like they're sudden and spontaneous and coming upon us in relationship and job and health. And that is the platform. It's kind of what I was saying earlier, where we need some permission to take time off, to, to retreat from the world, to say, wait a minute, to do some soul searching. And usually that comes in the form of the end of a relationship or a health crisis mm. or job loss, right? So that we go inward um, the collective field of your listeners right now is having me go directly towards speaking about security. And so, you know, the mind programs we've, we've been conditioned with are you have to have a job to be secure. You have to have a relationship to feel secure. But in reality, it's the reverse, right? Security and the feeling of safety is an inside job. Um, cause we know, right. A job can disappear at any moment. We're actually not in control of that. That's a very true. Beautiful illusion. <laughs> um, so that's, that's really the big focus right now for, for everyone. Is- yeah. Or it's when I get the job or when I get the relationship, then I'll feel secure and happy and joyful. Right. And so I, um, I channel a group of highly advanced um, beings, right? So as we think about just the shift in consciousness being the technological revolution, right? It's not more mechanical technology. It's more innate abilities unlocking or activating based in um, higher dimensional consciousness. Although let's leave, leave hierarchy behind and just say more expansive consciousness. Mm-hmm. These, the Arcturians are one such civilization and they got in touch with me in 2016 to help me remember more of what I agreed to do in this particular embodiment. And so they're always talking about put joy first. So whatever brings you joy in your day, put that at the top because those are the vibrational coordinates that are, it's basically the shortcut that will land you in permanent joy. And then your material circumstances will begin to adjust and shift. And it's like a shortcut, right? Versus feeling like you have to work hard, your whole life to get to a place where you can have enough money to then be happy and joyful. (laughs) They say, no, 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 you're making this so much more complicated than it is. Um, So, you know, whatever that is for me, it's often getting in my Mustang convertible and putting the top down and driving in and experiencing that expansive freedom and joy. And that's the quote unquote work to be done is that shift 
um, to put joy first. Right. And it in and you're right. It feels like a big shift. I mean, there's so many voices in the head that say that's not the way to do it. That's not how this works. Who? How could I do that? That won't work. That's irresponsible. <laughs> yeah, I'm wasting yeah. time. Right. Exactly. Um, and what I've become really clear on, you know, I've channeled Yeshua, the Ascended Master Yeshua, quite a bit, and he, he's always talking about the importance of innocence. And this isn't you know, wide-eyed naivete, this is the state of pure kind of unformed opinions and cynicism and an open-hearted, non-jaded, I, t- I talk about things in terms of an energetic container that you are, right? Because we get confused. We think our body is our identity when in fact it's just one small part where this beautiful field of consciousness so when we come back into a direct connection with that and the the divine perfection that is there, that that beautiful equanimity of of the zero point, everything is is in divine order. Our greater selves can begin to magnetize and shift this physical reality that seems so real, but we know from the field of quantum physics that it's it's not as solid as we think it is, and reality doesn't always you know just form external to our consciousness. Um, it doesn't at all, indeed. (laughs) And so it's all happening right here. I always often point kind of to the heart. It's happening right here at all times. So making joy your priority is actually the most powerful thing and responsible thing you can do. I mean, even just think of thought pollution. And so worry and fear, anger and judgment, to say the least, are constantly going out in the field, right? What are we contributing to the human collective psychic field? Everyone feels that on some level. So if nothing else, right, you could just think of yourself as a good um, psychic field steward (laughs) doing your part not to pollute the environment. And I think anyone who has children knows this because our children, you know, especially the under the age of 10 are mirrors to us. They, they, they soak up our emotions and what we're feeling, even if we're not directly communicating them. Oh, absolutely. I experience that all the time with, with my kids. And what you were describing too, the state, that state of consciousness of freedom and expansion makes me think of the state of consciousness of a child. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so that's that teaching of be like the child and be innocent because you're not living under all these limiting belief systems at that point, right? And then what's possible? Infinite possibilities, right? A lot of the young kids coming in, I hear from people a lot, as you might imagine, because their children are talking to them about different star systems and where they're from, and they remember their galactic history. Um, they're wondering, you know, like, why are, why are we not teleporting here? <laughs> Isn't it normal to levitate and telepathic communication is completely normal? Um, when you think about that, it's, The spoken word is, if you want to think in terms of hierarchy, fairly primitive, right? So they're ready to rock and roll, so to speak. And I feel like there's, I I joke, I'm like, just bear with us, bear with. (laughs) We're we're doing it. We're trying to, we're we're back. (laughs) Would you say then that that's perhaps a glimpse into our future? Is those abilities? Absolutely. And the way to think about future in, 
multidimensional terms is that it's higher dimensional, right? So it's more expansive. Um, future, past, present is a linear construct. And when you get beyond, you know, let's say the third dimension into fourth dimension and fifth, which is just based on, you know, rate of frequency vibration, um, like tuning a, a radio band, a dial, uh, everything becomes in the present now moment. And so, so much of what people's spirit guides will channel through me is to bring a person into this present now moment, which is the zero point, right? Which is, this is the field of infinite possibility, bringing yourself into the void. So it's a lot of our work as adults right now is about collapsing all these old timelines, releasing our personal past. Um, It's the not complete dissolution, but maybe dilution of the constructed false self, like that small self with all the limiting beliefs and programs. So it's what the field of self-development has been, you know, actively chipping away at, if you will, over the last, feels like 60 years. And now we've gone into accelerated ascension, or you can just think of that as shift in consciousness. So, you know, I, I didn't grow up being a fan of sci-fi and Star Trek and Star Wars. In fact, I thought that all that stuff was so weird. So it's really ironic that this is now my life. Um, I didn't go looking for it. And so what I've been shown is that disclosure, right, is the is the term many people use in this field, especially when it comes to extraterrestrial, right, beyond, beyond human, mm-hmm. um, is going to happen at the individual level right? Versus some big event of, of the spaceship show up in the sky, right? That would, that there's so much programming in our popular culture about aliens that is so negative and fear-based. Um, it's going to be much gentler than that. Um, so for people- And on the individual level, do you mean in an internal way? Yeah, like dreams, um, meditation experiences. Uh, you know, I was just talking with someone who has been resisting their ascension, if you will, they're awakening, they're remembering, and they kind of, they know that they're like an active conscious resistance. And so then they went into a meditation and all of a sudden they're so dizzy, they can barely sit up and vertigo, nausea. And these are all the symptoms I feel when I'm working in really high frequencies. And so it's, it's just like, in this person's case, it's like, they've put it off, put it off, put it off. And now it's like, almost like a rubber band effect. It's like, it's catching up, right? Mm-hmm. Another person I spoke to recently said they woke up at 222, right? So as you go into higher vibratory states or frequencies, right? Higher dimensions, repeating numbers and synchronicities are very common. In fact, like, you know, I live in a way now that if I don't see those things, I think something's off. Um, And they were seeing in their mind's eye, right? The pineal gland in the center of the head actually has rods and cones, just like the eyes do. It's just Mm -hmm. the information they're processing is coming from a different source, right? Through light. (laughs) Right. And they were seeing beautiful rainbows and I think some geometries, right? So I often will have those experiences. And so that's the sort of thing I'm I'm, I'm thinking someone else had, um, you know, an experience where it's kind of like a lucid dream and a visitation from, you know, it's a, a being that's not quite human and, you know, can't really identify it. And these aren't things that in, in my, you know, when I, well, I'll back up and just say in the early days of my remembering, I thought that I was making a lot of this up because again, that's our conditioning. 
And the way that I began to trust that I wasn't is that it would just drop in. It was just an experience that happened versus, you know, when you're kind of working with your imagination and you're putting things together, it takes a little effort. That was the distinction for me, you know? And I think that a lot of our, yeah, I'm getting the green light to talk about that. A lot of our past or current uh, seasoned, if you will, metaphysical teachers, self-development teachers um, have had some really profound experiences like this that they have not shared publicly. And you will see more and more of them begin to disclose this as part of their way showing leadership. Um, But it probably didn't feel safe to them 40 years ago to disclose all of it. No, it didn't feel safe at all. I think of it in a way of like coming out of the closet. Yeah. Absolutely. That there's so much prejudice and fear and um, judgment against it that it's, yeah, to come forward takes a lot of courage. Right, right. The fear, the fear has been so big. And yeah, on this day, you know, we're closing out something called the Lionsgate today. um, And I just went through, it opened up on July 26th. Um, I'm not an astrological expert, so people can go Google Lionsgate portal and get more information about it. But I went through my latest, what I call galactivation, right? So my next level of merging with another one of my identities, right? Galactic aspects, and then all the abilities that come with that. And um, I know that many people in this time, like, like this interview didn't get scheduled for the stage just randomly, right? There's no coincidence or randomness. <laughs> and it's, I'm really clear that my field is used to answer questions and um, almost like prayers, if you will, like that people have sometimes before they even have them. And then they will find them, the answer in divine right time. And so what's really clear is that we just went through this incredible, intense up-leveling in frequency. And anytime you bring a higher frequency into, you know, a lower, denser form like our bodies, it will trigger shadow, which are all those pieces and parts of ourselves and fears that we ha- we've pushed down, pushed down, pushed down. And that is what's happening for everyone right now. And I think a lot of people just don't have the context for that. I know I certainly didn't when it happened to me. You know, my, my awakening really went into high gear in 2000. Um, nine, it began with the death of my father and then all the experiences I had with him after he transitioned. And it really culminated in 2012, but I had no context for what I was going through. And it makes me really passionate about showing up for people today to just be fearlessly authentic and not hold anything back um, because it gives permission for everyone else to do the same. I think, I think we're, I don't think I know I can feel it. And the guidance is showing me that We've reached a tipping point where the majority of people have had enough of their own direct experiences that there isn't that extreme rigid hold of fear-based, you know, this is ridiculous, this is crazy, this is dangerous even. Mm -hmm. Something has really shifted and I I can really feel that. I, yeah, I would say I feel, I feel the same for sure. It feels, um, I just know in my own teaching, I feel like I am expressing a lot more than I used to. And it feels really natural now where before I guess I held myself in, an, in like a, my own state of fear or resistance, but it also felt, you know, it was, it's a both ands, like, and right. it wouldn't fully be received. Absolutely. Then. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I used to joke, some people, not many, but some people I've met, we're born awake. They never, I mean, we are all born awake and then you know, this 
<laughs> don't talk about that. Put that, and it goes underground usually. But people just stay awake. That doesn't go underground. That's that's fairly unusual, at least for you know people in their forties and older. The 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 littles, as I call them now, they that's not going to be the case for them. They're not going to go underground. Um, but we we did right, and so I used to joke that I had adult onset awakening, <laughs> and it feels like it's like on a drip system. Like it comes, you know, I kind of kind of handle what I can handle. And I don't resist it. I mean, that's the big lesson I learned because I did go through like three hospitalizations, the total collapse of one of my businesses. Like it really, I felt like it took like the cosmic two by four to get me to sit up and really pay attention. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's just, you know, what I needed and what many others need. And now I feel like, okay, we can do this more gracefully, right? Yeah. And I'm curious about something that you said before about going through this Lionsgate recently and your experience with remembering and integrating like galactic parts of yourselves and those abilities. And is that something that you do on in a conscious way or you know that let's say it's happening on like 45D, but you don't quite know, know what that process is? Yeah. For me, it's, it's fully conscious. Um, I think earlier on in, you know, the, maybe let's say 2014, some aspects of it weren't fully conscious. I mean, I, I had conscious, like a a spontaneous past life regression on a sacred mountain in the far West of Brittany, France, for example. I mean, that was very, very vivid. Um, But then the integration of that and I kind of contracted and went back to my everyday life. But then I noticed, oh wait, these abilities, these shamanic abilities all of a sudden where did these come from, right? These weren't here before. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, they do tend to be pretty conscious and very visual in my mind's eye. Um, for others, I think, depending on how ready they are, they will, they will be happening at a different level. Um, and then having said that, <laughs> I think that there's so much of our identity. I mean, a lot of what, we're, what I'm talking about, just so I'm clear for people, is that we're not transcending the physical form. We are evolving it in real time, meaning we're bringing more of our greater consciousness into this embodied experience and beginning to unlock the true abilities of the human form and what it's really capable of. And so everything from healing and clearing spaces, um, shifting timelines, uh, some really amazing, exciting things, all the way to what I've been shown is definitely levitation and teleportation, which from my old constructed identity, that's very diluted now, but it's still there, seems still kind of like, really? Far-fetched? And yet I've been shown over and over again things and then they come about. So what is shifting timelines? Yeah. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to tune in here for a second to get the answer that's going to be most relevant for people. Um, so it's, they're using the analogy of, and they, the pronoun is everyone's higher self speaking to them through me, <laughs> just to be clear, using the analogy of, you know, the storybooks where you can change different endings and go in different directions. Mm-hmm. It's that versus, you know, I, I'm just going to live out this life and this is the way it looks. And, you know, I have a little bit of choice, but yeah, the parameters are pretty much set. It's, it's kind of cracking that wide open and saying, there are infinite combinations and permutations of how you can experience reality. I mean, this gets into like 
you know, parallel existences and, and you're kind of jumping around in between all of that experience versus the idea that we're just, this is it. I'm this one being and I kind of go through this linear experience and then it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like I've, I see when I channel about it, they often use music as an example. Mm. So, um, you know, you have different chords and different note combinations. And so you can be kind of jumping around into different, like, how does that feel? And how does that sound? And so it's, this is tricky because our mind wants to understand, but the mind is the least equipped processor <laughs> in our metaphysical anatomy. So this is why expansion into, you know, expanding the heart portal is really important or the heart chakra, because then you can begin to process information with so much more of your greater being that goes almost like beyond the mind. And so what they're saying is the first step is try not to understand so much. Don't strive so much with the mind because your mind will literally start to hurt. (laughs) It's like, I can't (laughs) get my head wrapped around that. and when you drop into the heart center, there's this knowing, right, without having to define. And that's really the, the it's almost like the foundation of the expansion into becoming multidimensional, right? So we're going beyond conscious and becoming multidimensional now. And we've always been multidimensional, but our focus really hasn't been there. But because of many different factors, this is where we as a, as a human collective are interested in going. And I often use the, the analogy of... Um, you know, before people had certain technology for transport in recent history, the, the world was fairly small geographically, and they kind of only knew what was around them in a certain perimeter, maybe let's say 50 miles or so. And then as technology has shifted and we've been able to expand and explore more, there's the feeling of discovery, right? Oh, look at these new lands. And that's, but those lands were already there and those people were already there. So it wasn't a discovery as much of, as an exploration and a connection. Right. And that is what we're doing at the galactic level. We're beginning to remember, wait a minute, we're part of a much broader reality. There are other civilizations that we're not going to find them looking in physical reality in third dimension. But if you start to expand beyond that, you know, so great, let's go connect into the fifth dimension. And now all of a sudden you can see, perceive and experience these other civilizations. So I watch, I watch science fairly closely. I have a master's of science. I come from, you know, a social science background and I I watch the field of science fairly closely in headlines just to see where the needle is moving. Um, And we may, we may be facing a hundredth monkey effect, right? So we just kind of are the mainstream, the, the majority of the population kind of hanging out in the current paradigm and there's enough of a vibrational shift. That's a huge body of my work, right, that I do on the planet, multidimensional engineering, to put kind of grid systems back in place, the, the infrastructure to be able to maintain a higher vibrational, higher dimensional existence based in unity consciousness, back up and running. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's going to be this snapping back online and people, it's almost like waking up and going, oh, I, I just get it, right? But there, there didn't have to be this huge you know, progression of linear steps to get there. It's, um, for, are you familiar with the hundredth monkey effect? Describe it. So it's kind of like the researchers or scientists found that there are monkeys on an Island and they started using some sort of new tool, right? New technology. And somehow all of a sudden on the Island next door, they began using them as well, even though there was no direct contact. 
right? So that just tells us that we're connected via this unified field. So we get to like critical yes. mass and then there's a tipping point. Which so that- feels true, which feels true. And I feel like I've been witnessing that. Um, and I know many of us have for quite a while. And I, this description is really helpful, um, I think, for our listeners to hear, and for me in particular, because there's one word that I've always kind of struggled with, which has been ascension. When I was in my 20s, I read like Joshua David Stone and his ascension manuals and those kinds of things. And a lot of it seemed to be built around this idea of getting somewhere else. Yeah. And recently, or for you know the past long while, it's just felt so much more resonance that it's here. And there's nowhere to get to, but how you're describing, it's not that we're getting anywhere, we're just changing, we're expanding and remembering and awakening. Those words feel really good to me. Yes, I I hear you. And what I've channeled on this makes a lot of sense to me Um, at different kind of dimensional levels of remembering, a person needs different vocabulary. And so, for example, just recently... Um, I was meeting with my activation group of uh, clients or participants, and they were being guided by the Pleiadians, okay, using light language that was light. There was even no sound to it, to move beyond the idea of growth as a construct and into expansion, right? So growth implies that we have learning to do, we're, right, versus expansion is just, you are this field, expand back into your true form versus I have to learn something in this hierarchical system of right higher dimensional, lower dimensional is bad, right? When in fact there is no value judgment placed upon it. So it's the languaging changes as a person remembers, right? And goes through this process. So same with surrender. You see surrender mentioned a lot right now. Mm-hmm. And the next level of understanding of that is that is the zero point. I like to call it the frontal lobe lobotomy because <laughs> in the zero point, you're just quiet and it's still and everything there. You're in the no thing. Right. It's like, there's not even anything to have surrendered. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's interesting because we're the conditioned self in Western civilization is still looking for truth with a capital T, when truth is actually relative, depending on the dimensional level that you're looking at it from. And the, the idea of ascension being like, well, I mastered it and got to this place versus uh, something really interesting I channeled on Nirvana recently. Nirvana is not the state of transcendence, enlightenment that you've gone beyond. It's uh-huh. actually the state of, uh, that captures multidimensionality where you can hold the all, right? So the, the maybe the depths of despair to the highest heights, all of it, not just some, you know, that, that's, a, that's a distortion and projection of the wounded ego, right? That's trying, trying to get somewhere, to use your phrase, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, now that you're listening to you talk um, and the ability to hold more, I have noted within myself uh, this feeling of like, awakening or remembering and it's coupled with what seems to be my ability to feel my own inner pain yes yeah and really like lay witness to that for probably one of the first times consciously parallels my experience of remembering slash awakening right yeah that's beautiful it's like it's like all these different concurrent 
layers. Um, and I think in the beginning, it's, it's, it's okay to be in duality and this and that and good and bad and right and wrong. That's contrast, right? Ascended Master St. Germain is always talking about the value of contrast <laughs> because otherwise, what do you have, right? You can't have the idea that the top of the experience, right? They're showing me right now, you can flip it up and it could be the bottom. When you go multidimensional, you go beyond linear and hierarchical. And so um, I'm really clear, you know, that we tell ourselves stories about identity and even the story I currently tell on a daily basis because it provides the framework for what I help so many people with, which is way showing, stepping back into your authentic self, your greater identity, your multidimensional self in order to carry out the agreements you made to be an embodied way shower at this time. You know, maybe an old soul is one way to think of it with lots of experience that says, I will come in here and help with this project <laughs> because this population would like to go through, you know, wants to remember more of itself. So on some level, I recognize that's, that's a story, right? Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, it, it's not about believing in something or disbelieving in something. It's much more about what are we looking to create? Because we are exceptional creators, whether we're doing it unconsciously or consciously. And again, no judgment, right? Um, because both are valid experiences. I've come to the conclusion that I'm willing to stick with this story because it's an empowering one. It feels true to me. Um, but on some level, I know that if I expand out enough, right, and coming back into the one that is source, which you can't even really define it because the minute you label it, like you've already collapsed it, it's contracted. Um, there is another layer of truth out there. And so that's something this journey has taught me is just just allow yourself to change your mind because you may all of a sudden be able to hold a more expansive version of reality that feels true to you. And then conversely, you may decide to contract again and explore this more contracted version of reality, but it's not inherently true or false. It just simply is an exploration, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's how it feels to me as an exploration and being like I was saying, feeling within me, these different emotional levels feels like an exploration too, into even my own timeline of what I thought it was when I was growing up or how I thought things were. You think it's one way, but you can now look back and feel it in a different way and it completely shifts. Exactly. That's a way of remembering too, I guess, actually. Absolutely, right. And it's as if then that that layer of reality ceases to be. That's kind of like a timeline collapse the way I've been shown it. It's like, oh, that old story is just gone. Right. Mm -hmm. And therefore that denser experience or exploration dissolves. And it's not that it's wrong. It's just, it's almost like, okay, it's shelf life is over. Mm -hmm. We experienced that and enjoyed it. And it's making the one thing that's happening right now. I see a lot is that we're making room for this, this next version of ourselves to emerge, to emanate, to come forward. So a lot of us have created some space, maybe, you know, just kind of in our own mental, emotional environment, maybe within our work or personal lives, but there's, there's just space being created to allow something to emerge. So maybe, you know, I'm seeing some people just really want to like 
purge, like just get rid of a lot of material things. Um, a lot of people I've worked with have been told just, you just, their guidance was their own inner guidance to, you know, sell the home, downsize, just take what you can in your car and, and move here. And then, and then you're going to move here. This has been my life experience for about the last seven months is, you know, this idea that we thought we were going to be in just one place and it just keeps moving. And it's really been designed to unearth that search for security, realizing that's an inside job versus, you know, when I get this all settled, then I'll feel (laughs) that's not it. So are you saying you might be moving from Montana? Uh, No, just within Montana. Okay. Uh, Let's see. We're on our fourth. Is that right? Yeah. Fourth rental. Oh my gosh. uh, about to probably move again this fall. And, and I've known this, this, you know, if I can out my husband, it's really for his benefit, (laughs) you know, this is, uh, this is being brought up for him and we, we are meant to be in a certain location. So I just see how that's all putting itself together. And so I see the trend right now is a lot of us being asked to let go of what we thought we were supposed to be doing was going to be happening because that was based in, the more contracted version of our identity, which can't see what our greater identity has been planning. (laughs) Exactly. I explain that to the yoga students a lot that when you are, when you're visualizing or you're, you're setting a goal or your intention, it's coming from something you've already experienced or known and that you eat then that is contracted, like you said. And you, often in my experience, what comes is something I haven't been able to imagine. Exactly, right? Because it's like a, the, the phrase I channel a lot is it's a higher dimensional artifact. <laughs> it's coming from a different plane of existence. And so when we've been so focused here in the physical, uh, we're not going to see it, perceive it, right? Right. But boy, does the mind want to know. Why does the mind want to know? No, it just does. The mind wants to know. Yes. And <laughs> I, I was wondering if you're asking that question because so I was like, well, I got an answer because I have channeled on that specifically. <laughs> like, it's, it's all about safety, right? It's trying to keep a sense of, which is, which is an important role for the ego to play in a physical environment, right? It's, yes. it's like we're just light beings, right? We do have these, <laughs> this biological anatomy that, that can be vulnerable. Um, but a lot of that is what we're shifting. I think that's why I'm really excited about this time. I mean, it's a really exciting time to be embodied, right? Not just in a light form because we are in real time changing the way that we, this vessel interacts and we're collapsing the perception that we're separate. You know, I, I had the uh, most extraordinary experience recently. So I, I do a lot of work in the astral at night, People write in all the time saying, you visited me, you taught me this, you helped me with that, right? Mm -hmm. And I woke up that morning remembering that I had been with a group of first responders. And I did put this in a video on my YouTube channel, so you may have caught this. But um, I remembered that I had been, basically what I told them, I said, "I'm, I'm about to tell you something. And at first it's going to make you angry, might shock you a little. And then at some point down the road, for some sooner or some later, you will really integrate the truth in what I have said and begin, you know, implementing or integrating that in your work. And that is that the very accidents that you are preparing for 
in the act of preparing for them, you are co-creating them. You are helping to create them. Mm. And so this is where I see what's really exciting for the human population to evolve to this next level or remember this next level of our interaction with our physical environment and one another is that we are very much entangled and intertwined and the act of preparing for an accident really when you think about it at, at like a quantum physics level it's not that far of a stretch to understand how that okay that's actually putting out a signal right yeah to- i totally agree with that i have felt this way for a long time and i've had an internal struggle with it because i think of it in terms of activism where i haven't wanted to be like this warrior activist outspoken person against let's say the environment, because I have felt on some level that that then creates the problem that I am the activist against. Right. It's but, any, yeah. yeah it's like, but is that a cop out to just like not be active against it? That's the inner monologue around it. Right. My, my energetically it's always felt true to me to when I'm fighting against something, I'm creating the thing to fight against. Right, exactly. In now, it's true in a third dimensional perspective. That's true. Cop out, true for for a third dimensional perspective. You go up in frequency or vibration, and it is not a cop out. It's actually uh, you pulling out of polarization, right? So, um, victim, victimizer, rescuer—that whole triangle that's been playing itself out, right? The drama web. And again, nothing wrong with that because that's just experience. But um, I actually worked in the environmental movement. And as I went through my awakening, I remember coming back to a group of colleagues and I was listening to them talk and I went, oh my gosh, it's all about consciousness. And that's when I really got clear on my own path. I was like, this is all, this has to be my line of work is helping to facilitate a shift in consciousness. Because if we're in any sort of victim state, we are, we are going to be creating something to be a victim about. So to your point, absolutely, we're actually contributing to the very issue that we're looking to solve. And that can be very offensive at, you know, when somebody's very confronting. Incredibly offensive, I know. Right, when, when somebody hasn't really contemplated that yet, right? They're very, I call it, like there are all these different levels of consciousness that keep us very limited, like scarcity consciousness, um, victim consciousness, right? Fear-based consciousness. And again, nothing inherently wrong. And yet the human collective is interested in going beyond that now. And so um, that's why so many of us, I think, answered this call. Kind of, I call it the intergalactic peace corps. It's like, yeah, I'll come in and help with that. <laughs> they want to they want to remember, right? And so I will speak to that a little bit. I mean, I say that that's my story. And yet I remember growing up and I always felt like, I mean, by the age of 19, I was looking around being like, I literally would joke, I'm like, did I get off on the wrong stop on the intergalactic tramway? Because this planet, I do not know what's going on here. <laughs> Why do these people act like this? You know, and I, I know that many people feel like that. Um, and so it's just helpful when, when my awakening happened, especially at the galactic level, when the Arcturians got in touch with me and then I, was, I just realized, oh wait, there's, there's, you know, even beyond ascended masters, beyond spirit guides. It was, it was definitely a form of relief for me because I just was like, oh, this explains so much. So then what would you say is going on here? Lower, denser, duality, polarized consciousness 
conflict, um, out of balance um, with the law of gender. So the masculine and the patriarchy has gotten really skewed and the divine feminine suppressed. And that's not just men and women. It's not just gender. It's, um, it's in each individual. So the ancient civilizations that really flourished on this planet were in balance between these two principles. Um, you think of masculine being action oriented um, and the feminine being more creative and yin, there's a natural kind of tension and dance between the two that creates this beautiful harmony. Right? So I just recorded a meditation to help people restore this balance in their own field and they had people kind of, it felt like, okay, feel like you're on a ball and you're trying to stand on a ball. That's what it's like to hold this balance in your field. It's much more of a dance, mm-hmm. right? Versus this rigid, you know, so we're seeing the outcome of that lack of balance in each individual. And of course, at the collective level, play itself out from everything from environment to, I would say, our cr- criminal justice system. Uh, all of it. And what's happening right now is across all aspects of civilization, people are, are remembering and they're waking up and they're beginning to say, oh, I'm, some, some are opting out, right? I have a role outside of this system, but many are waking up within the system and saying, oh, we're going to shift this from within. So we're, we're looking at, you know, this next 25 to 100 years of rapid shift, not based on any material technological advancement as much as, you know, a consciousness advancement, right, and and shift. And so it's, the first responder example is great because I did hear from some first responders who've been shown this, who, who really understand this, and are now working to introduce this into their wherever they happen to be on the planet. Somebody did report to me that police officers are beginning to use meditation, not just for their own stress and well-being, uh, but to actually create a day in which they don't get called out, right? And there aren't issues mm-hmm. and they're finding it that, that it's effective. I don't have the exact numbers on that. The person was just giving me the anecdote of it. But you see what's possible here from, you know, criminal justice all the way, of course, to mm-hmm. health and healing and... I'm thinking about the first responders. So then would the choice be that they don't train to become first responders? Yeah, it gets interesting, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, I think that I've asked myself that same question and it's like, we just are kind of going to downstep. It's like a de-escalation process where it's going to be both. There's an and, not either or for right now. It's like train, be prepared, know how to handle this and really start to strengthen your ability to create consciously what the day looks like, what the week looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Start with joy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, versus planning for worst case scenarios. Right, okay. I'll Waiting for the shoe to drop, right? What are all those expressions? Mm-hmm. It's been too good for too long. That means something bad has to happen, right? These are all <laughs> funny things we have built into Um, feast or famine, right? The only reason that the human population has experienced these things is because they expect it to on some level, which seems incredibly oversimplistic. And yet it is extremely simple, straightforward, but changing your practices, right? Your neural net 
those same old thoughts, same old thoughts. That's where the real work comes in. That takes incredible amounts of commitment and, and discipline and self-mastery. Not just a pill. Right. Although I like to say, you know, there's a whole like red pill, blue pill based on yeah. the matrix going on right now. Um, take the I'm pink seeing pill. that so much more now. Take, <laughs> take a pink pill. Take a pink, take the pink pill. It's the third way. So it's not right or wrong, right? Asleep or awake. Um, it's unconditional love. And it, it creates this, it's almost like this. It completes the triangle, the trinity, the triad, right? Uh, that symbolism has been used throughout mystical traditions. It's a code. To me, it's just a higher dimensional code. Yeah. And it's unity. And so you go into beyond right and wrong, you know, Uh, the, the, the way that's playing out right now, especially in the United States is kind of good guys versus bad guys. And ultimately we will be transcending that completely. How long that takes just depends on, you know, each individual's unique response or resistance to their own journey um, and being willing to look at their own programming. I've been shown over and over again recently, especially that this idea that we're going to collapse the patriarchy, we're going to change the financial currency, we're going to get it all, you know, into this better place is a little bit of a, I don't know, like a red herring. It's like a, it's a distraction. The actual shift is happening in everyone's individual field of consciousness and their own personal expression. And that's what I was talking about earlier about the shift in identity is we're collapsing our old identity, our constructs, becoming something different, much more expansive at the individual level. That's how we change the civilization, mm-hmm. which is a little bit different than the idea that right? We have to advocate for change out there. Yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. It's moving away from how things look to how things feel. Yes. And that starts with how you feel. Yes. Yeah. So the, the aggressor or the external, you know, whatever it is that someone finds very emotionally triggering is uh, being brought to you (laughs) specifically so that you can look at that fear that's being brought up, right? And and work with that fearlessly. Mm-hmm. Fearless equanimity to quote somebody I'm working with right now, you know, and and the people I I I don't tend to follow anyone because I just try to do all the direct channeling. And it's interesting when it lines up with what other people are getting, which happens a lot, right? Um, but if I were to listen to anybody, it's the people who have recently been in comas or strokes and come out and they've had direct experiences and they're teaching, you know, from this higher dimension. Right. And so many people are, are creating events for themselves to have spontaneous awakenings. Maybe is a way to think of it. Mm -hmm. Um, a health event where all of a sudden, you know, huge shift, uh, huge shift can occur. Um, just because that seems to be the pulse of where the, human collective, because remember, we're all connected. <laughs> we might seem like we're all separate individuals. Um, is health, yeah, health event too makes me think of just on like a pranic energetic level, a way to reset the system. It's like a reboot of the computer. Yes, absolutely. Or the way that I put it is like, it's an upgrade. So mm. only since my last galactivation, am I using the term now hybrid? So I'm really clear that I'm a hybrid. And 
even three months ago, that would have really triggered me to say that out loud. But you know, I'm, I, of course, I, I teach being fearlessly authentic. So I've got to, I got to live it. Right. And in my real, real time, sorry about that. Real time. Um, experience my shift in this collectivation brought me and and the, the, I won't get into all the events because it would take an hour to tell the whole story but it brought me into my next level identity shift which is to understand that um the genetic material I have is hybrid material and there are millions of people like this on the planet right now and in part you can think of this as an inside job to help shift a population that was asking for help because it's so stuck in so much density and fear. And there's a whole galactic history I won't even get into here. And so what better way to serve than come in and say, I'll be embodied human for a while and I will bring, you know, these extra set of abilities and you have them too. And let's just start activating them in the human population, you know? And so that may be a little confronting for people. It's like, whoa, what are you guys like? We're talking like genetic manipulation. And yet, you know, again, the, the human history. So I'll back up and say I was passionate at 15 about paleoanthropology, the study of human origins, which, you know, my parents, I think at the time were like, who is this kid? <laughs> Why is this your passion? Um, and it all makes sense now, given everything I understand. It's, you know, that, that search for a missing link that missing link won't be found in the way that we think it will f- be found in this progressive evolutionary track. Like, again, it's not an either or evolution is very real. It's a very real phenomenon. And there's more to, you know, our planet's history than we've currently agreed to collectively remember is the way I would put that. Although that's changing quickly. That's a nice way to say it. Yeah. And, and as a hybrid, you're a hybrid of, humanoid and right and a whole bunch of other different um when you call them star families is the nicest way to put that because i don't the the alien word is just so charged with negative stuff that uh star family so we're talking andromedan um pleiadian arcturian syrian lyran uh, for, for people listening who, who are like, give me the advanced material, I would recommend a book called The Prism of Lyra. And I apologize, I can't remember the author's name, but you can find it on Amazon um, in digital form. It explains the, the separation from kind of one into duality and this, this experience that we're all having here. Um, and it, it, it's just really helpful. And it kind of goes through the different star systems. So many different, um, some people are just kind of, one or a few, um, but the idea is that we're bringing in, um, it's like more of our, what the, the way that it's being phrased to me right now is more of our genetic memory, more of our true potential. Um, in some cases, you know, people will say like, these beings are our future coming back to help us. From a linear perspective, that's true, but again, it's just because it's coming from a higher dimension. So it goes down the, the rabbit hole a little bit, but you know, I was wondering, when I went through this, why is this important for me to have this next level identity remembering um, and to be speaking about it? And the answer is because millions of other people are going through this and they, many of them are alone in isolation. Some of them are actively judged by family and friends who just aren't there yet, right? 
and who are still in fear. So I've been guided to just be very open about it, to try to just demystify it, make it not so scary, right? And as a way shower, where can people find you? Um, well, the website is multidimensional, you, the letter u.com. And you have a YouTube channel? I do. Yeah. All of that is linked on the website. Mm-hmm. Multidimensional you. I'll put some links to that um, in the podcast notes. And then people, when I was with you, we had a one-on-one emergence experience. Has that changed now? It has um, because my my prime directives have shifted. I got some pretty big ones earlier this year that I'm looking to implement um, with investors actually. So I switched all of my one-on-one to working with groups, which, you know, it was interesting to see my limited beliefs around that. I thought, oh, they're going to get less. Actually, what I'm finding is they're getting more because you can imagine in this field of coming out of the spiritual closet community is really important. And so it's been really beautiful to watch all the love and support that exists in these groups. So that's the emergence experience. And I also split it into two different tracks just because some people are a little bit, you know, uh, further ahead, if you will, in their remembering and other people are just kind of beginning in those, you know, those are what we were talking about earlier, different conversations, right? Mm -hmm. And all that information about the emergence experience with you is on your multidimensional you website too. It is. Yeah. As a channel, is there anything that wants to come through now before we close? Yeah, let me, I'm just going to do my carnelian sound uh, crystal bowl, singing bowl for everyone. And let me just tune in. Yeah, the main message is you are so much more than you are allowing yourself to be. And those words are multidimensional communication. So something will start to um, unwind itself for you there, like walls starting to fall down, especially around your heart center. You are so much more than you have allowed yourself to be. Thank you. Just letting that sink in for everybody. And it's true. It's true. And there is a light transmission happening right now. So if some people are experiencing a little vertigo or something, don't be alarmed. (laughs) This is just a high frequency pulse coming in to help maybe shake loose some cobwebs. (laughs) And with this work too, it doesn't matter when you listen to it. It's not about real time. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful to have this time with you. I feel like we could talk and talk and talk. I would love for you to do at some point, if you're up for it, um, a meditation also, just a short one. Maybe we can do that a little bit later. You got to put up Because I love your um, grounding cord meditation. I think it's so effective. Yeah. Yeah. We're realizing these, um, and that's the technology I've been asked to take planet wide. That's what I've gotten busy with investors on. And, uh, it's beyond meditation, right? It's, um, our, our vocabulary is, is limited. Uh, maybe we'll call them activations, right? Activations. Yeah. That's definitely a better, a better phrase. Would you like to do it now or would you like to record it another time? Um, what I'm being told right now is that, um, let's do that as a follow-up. Uh, right. because this, this is beginning something mm-hmm. and, um, 
we don't want to like, you know, blow people's hair back too much. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I'm feeling the same. It's great. Well, I appreciate you so much, Asia. Thank you. Thank you, Marissa. This was so fun. Yeah. We'll be in touch soon. Okay. Okay. 